Greetings, fellow sports card enthusiasts. This is the 615 Collector. My name is Doug Turner. And I'm Brandon Turner. And we're your hosts of a weekly podcast that's dedicated to the world of sports cards. All right, show number 12. And let me just say that we've got a ton of stuff to get into today. Seems like you say that every week. I know. Well, there's never a dull moment in the hobby, it feels like. This past week was an absolute doozy, though. It, um, ton of stuff that, that came up this past week. Some of it was good, but unfortunately, a fair amount of it was bad as well. And the funny thing is, it seems like we always wonder every week if we're going to have enough content for the shows, and then it seems like we always end up with more content. We always we have. have too much. Yeah, exactly. Then we have time to cover without doing like a three-hour show or something. So, uh, all right. So we probably, we'll probably cut a lot of the chit-chat, yakety-yak, as they say, and just jump right in so we can try to get into as much of the, th- of the stuff that we want to try to cover today. Before we do the rundown, I did have one follow-up take I wanted to, to comment on regarding the Fanatics acquisition of Tops that we talked about in last week's show. And that is because last week we were focused kind of on the impact that that acquisition would have on the space. And we covered a lot of ground in that regard, but we did fail to mention one of the big positives from that news, and that was simply that folks just knowing that the Tops brand is going to still be around. Oh, yeah. Well, that definitely seemed to be something that a lot of people were concerned about. Yeah, there was a collective sigh of relief, I think, across the hobby when the deal was announced because it did mean that uh, Tops would continue to live on. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a good thing. Um, I didn't I honestly didn't know that's 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 nice. Um, very iconic. So yeah, it is an iconic. Good to see brand. that the name will at least still be there. Yeah, and I think and it's funny too because people are excited about the prospects of having their flagship products like Tops, which is considered paper, and then Tops Chrome brands come back to basketball and football again. Although I'm sure Panini's not necessarily all that excited about that, but I know I've heard or saw a lot of posts and heard things from different collectors about. They're really looking forward to getting Topps Chrome football and Topps Chrome basketball and stuff like that. So it should be uh, should be interesting. So we'll see what happens. But I did want to just mention that because I think we did fail to mention that last week. And all right, so now that we have, let's move on and go ahead and give a rundown on today's show. All right, well, first we will have a penalty box segment where we will address or rant on some of the bad news that has come out in the hobby this past week. Yeah, unfortunately, as I said before, there was a fair amount of that. Uh, Then we will cover all the latest hobby news in the halftime report. And then we've got some NFL and NBA items to discuss in our film study. And finally, we will get into the coach's corner with our take on some recent controversy on what defines a rookie card. Yeah, that became a whole thing this past... Well, I don't know if it was this past week or the week before, but it kind of became a big topic of discussion in the hobby. It's always been a little bit confusing and, frankly, probably a little bit ridiculous, but nonetheless, we'll try to address that. All right, well, we uh, do have a lot to cover, so let's go ahead and jump right in and get started with the penalty box. 27 Columbus, two minutes for hooking. Okay, two things that I'm going to rant on in our penalty box today, both unfortunately bad for the hobby. And the first is, if you have not heard the news, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that haven't, but I'm sure there's some that have, one of the biggest scams ever in the hobby happened this past week when it was revealed that a case of what's called first edition Pokemon card booster pack boxes, so it was a case of these boxes, basically the bottom line is a first edition 
Pokemon. Think of it that way. Uh, but it was revealed that the case, the boxes in it, everything was fake. And this case made headlines when it was purchased probably just a few weeks ago by Logan Paul for $3.5 million. I guess that was towards the maybe end of December that he bought that. And by the way, if anyone doesn't know who Logan Paul is, we'll touch on that here. I'd be very surprised if anybody didn't. You think? Well, actually, maybe not. Yeah. I guess it depends on who's listening. I'd be honest. I really didn't know who he was I feel like until you've a at least couple of heard months the ago name he was before. Making, yeah, he was making news in the hobby. Yeah. And so I kind of looked him up and, yeah. We'll talk about he's, him. He's been around for a while. Yeah. Now, this box that he paid $3.5 million for back in December had a history that makes kind of this whole thing suspect. So just bear with me here as I go through all of this, and we'll try to kind of make some sense of it. And, you know, as we get into this, you're going to hear it's it's like a soap opera. I mean, you couldn't make this stuff up, I think, if you tried. And we don't know everything that happened here, uh, but we'll we'll go ahead and take things at face value. But I will say there's something about all this that doesn't sit right with me, and so we'll, we'll talk about that. But let's, let's first give a little background. Why are these boxes worth so much? Well, so a case contains, I think, six boxes, six of these boxes. They're basically hobby boxes with packs. I think there's 36 packs in a box. I don't know how many cards in a pack. And then six boxes in a case. And again, this was a case that we're talking about. Now, each box in that case is worth probably somewhere around three hundred dollars to $500,000. So again, six in a case. You can see why this made headlines. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of money being spent. And we didn't report on this when Logan Paul bought it for $3.5 million in our show, in, the, in our halftime report or otherwise, and that was very much intentional, and I'll talk again about why that was later. But one of the reasons these boxes are worth so much, really, well, aside from the fact that Logan Paul himself has probably driven the prices of these up because he's basically gone out and bought as much anything that he can get his hands on on these and made it public that he well, wanted did we to mention, do that. Have we mentioned like Logan Paul is like a, an influencer type? No, know? we haven't. I was going to get pretty into important, that later. That's pretty important to know for that, yeah, probably for should, that fact. Probably is, should know that on the front end. I was uh, pretty, pretty historically has been a pretty popular YouTuber with like millions and millions of views and subscribers. So it's yeah. very important to know for that little fact right there. Yeah, um, he's probably somewhat akin to... Is he? Would you say he's equivalent to like a Kim Kardashian? Mm, a little bit different. Yeah. But I see what you're saying. But um, yeah, the point is, he's a huge social media influencer, and we'll talk a little bit more about his background later. But you're right, huge social media influencer has millions of followers. That's pretty much how he makes his living, and I think he makes a pretty good living at it. But all right, we'll 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 come back to that. Again, so but the, each of these boxes are probably you know and, and, and worth three to five hundred thousand each, and he has made it public that you know he's been wanting to buy all these things up, and he's you know kind of made some YouTube videos about it and everything else. So he's been a big reason why they've gone up. But another reason is that these boxes may contain a highly sought after card. You can think of it as maybe like the Michael Jordan rookie card of the Pokemon world, and that is the first edition Charizard. And Man, that was a big deal back in elementary school. Yeah, you were thing. a big Pokemon. I had a kid. Collector. There was a kid in my school that had one of those. I wonder if he still has it. Was it a first edition? Because that's yeah. the different. Really? Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. No, I know what the card is, like what it looks like. He had it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
Yeah, because that card alone, well, if it's a PSA 10, I'm not sure what a lower grade would sell for, but in PSA, if it gets a PSA 10 grade, that card alone will probably sell for about $350,000. And I have seen where guys have pulled two of those in a box. And so now you, there's no guarantee. You might get none. You might get three. Who knows? But that's the idea is that if you pull one of those, there's a bunch of other cards. And again, these cards are like very old. Like these were like the first, if I'm, if I'm correct, yeah, these are like right. the first Pokemon card like set ever released. That's right. Right. So, yeah, exactly. So I think so it was like the late 90s, probably 98 right? or something yeah, like 98, that. 99, something close to there. around there. So I think very that's right. old cards. Yeah, I think that's right. This case that Logan Paul purchased originally appeared on, and, and the other thing I should say, it originally appeared on eBay, I finished that sentence, but then the other thing I should say here is that there is, as far as anyone knows, none of these cases existed. And so when this case came up, it was believed, and still maybe still is believed to be, well, now it's been proven fake, so it's not, but it was believed to be the possibly the only case still in existence because... Um, remember, a, a case is just to think of it as just a cardboard box that inside that box there are six hobby boxes of the actual cards that you would see like on a store shelf or something like that. But most of the cases have been opened and a lot of the boxes have been opened too. Um, so anyway, that, that's, that's the situation. But this case appeared on eBay. It was being auctioned off last year. And it ultimately sold for about $75,000, which I think is an important point that we'll come back to. It was a relatively low price for the case. And the reason of, for that, because keep in mind, back, back when it sold, and this was, I think, in maybe February, March of 2021 timeframe. So what, about 10 months ago? Even at that time, these cards and these boxes were still selling for these premium prices. So that should have been a little bit of a flag, like why is it selling for such a low price? And part of the reason for that is there was a lot of skepticism by people in the hobby that kind of know about this stuff and follow Pokemon, and they were questioning its authenticity. And some of that was in part because of how it was listed on eBay. The seller was based in Canada, and apparently there have been a lot of fake versions of these cards or these boxes that have come from Canada. The eBay account that was selling it was questionable to some. It didn't have a lot of feedback. Looked like it had only sold maybe two or three things, even though it had been open for a couple of years. And so many, and the other thing too is a lot of folks questioned why would you sell something of this kind of value on eBay? Why would you not take it to an auction house or something like that? And then also the seller apparently kept changing the story about how he acquired the case. Um, I saw a variety of different versions where, you know, he said that he got it in an estate sale. He found it in the attic of a house that he bought. He got it for his 12th birthday, or maybe it wasn't his 12th, but maybe he got it for his birthday, whatever, you know, birthday it was. That story kept changing, which also, you know, caused a little bit of um, skepticism. And so now a little bit of backstory on, on Logan Paul. So back in early 2021 it might have been late 2020 but i think it was early 2021 he kind of went on this spending spree as we talked about before buying up pokemon boxes particularly these first edition boxes because he did a break that was really popular it generated something like 11 plus million dollar or million dollar 11 plus million views on youtube and remember these social these influencers get paid based on those views and their following and so that's 
you know, he's probably getting paid a lot of money from sponsors and advertisers and all that kind of stuff to generate those views. So there's literally a YouTube video out there of him with a bunch of his, I guess, you know, clan, friends, whatever. And he's talking about this and talking about this break and talking about the 11 million views and how he wants to go out and do it again. And he wants to buy up all the boxes and kind of so made that publicly known. And he did buy up some boxes and he put some of the packs and he opened them. When he would buy them, he'd open them and he put some of the packs up for auction on Golden Auctions, which remember Golden now owned by PSA. They're a big auction house uh, or the parent company of PSA, big auction house in the space. And those ended up selling for something like $40,000 a pack. And I think prior to that, they were selling for maybe ten dollars or $12,000 a pack. Obviously, the, you know, his name and all the story around those you know, created a premium value. So he did a whole media blitz. He even talked about back then, and I'm going to mention this because I think it's important to the story, how he knew there were a lot of fakes out there. And so back to this box we're talking about. So this box sells for $75,000. And I'm not sure who it sold to. I think it sold to, as I followed all the kind of videos and everything on this, I think it sold to a guy by the name of, that goes, his name's Jacob. Not sure his last name. He goes by Card Kahuna on social media, on like Instagram. And he has actually got a fairly large uh, social media following. But it sounded like he worked with another person that goes by Pokeju. And I think that's an Instagram handle. And his real name, I think, is Michael, or supposedly Michael Goldstein. Does that, does that name not sound like kind of familiar to you? It does. For some reason, that sounds familiar to me for some reason. I don't know. It does, but there's a couple of people, I think, in the business world, and this is not, you know, that, that have names similar to that. This is not that. So, okay. but yeah, it did when I first saw the name, but I've seen the pictures of him or, and videos of this guy, and I don't recognize him at all. But he does have a big social media following, which we'll talk about in a minute. But apparently, this Goldstein guy, his again, Instagram handle is Pokeju. He helps facilitate, he's brought in, who he's brought in by, I have no idea, but he's brought in to kind of help facilitate the sale to this Jacob guy, who again goes by Card Kahuna. Then this Jacob guy contacts, and all these names, these are just great names, like Mealy Pops is the name, another Instagram handle, don't know where everyone gets all these names, but this is uh, another social media influencer, but also it looks like a group of guys that own a card shop in Florida as well. And they contact them to have them to have him help facilitate another sale of this. If they were to buy this box for seventy-five thousand, they want to help facilitate the sale because they know what they these guys know what they have. They know what this thing's worth. Now, the other thing is, for some reason, and I guess you could say these guys are big in social media, so that's the reason why they did this because they all have big social media followings. But they create a video of the whole process. I thought that was kind of interesting just because I think who does that? Very, you know, very rare does that get done. Now I realize influencers do, but I just thought it was kind of interesting because they literally created a video of the entire process from when they first bought the box to getting it authenticated to selling it to the, a guy that then turned around and sold it to Logan Paul. And then that, so kind of this whole thing got documented in video from start to finish, which seems a little odd to me. But I'm digressing here. So they end up taking this box. And when I say they, I'm talking about Jacob and the Mealy Pops. I don't know what the Mealy Pops guy's name is. Jaylene or Jalen or something like that, maybe. I'm not sure. 
But they go to Indianapolis, and the boxes, for some reason, being delivered to a card shop in Indianapolis. They get it, I'm, I guess, ostensibly because they're going to pick it up there and then drive it to BBCE, which is Baseball Card Exchange, because they're the ones that are going to authenticate the box, and they're in a smaller town in Indiana. So they have it. They take it to BBCE. This was in March of 2021, and and we'll come back to the whole BBCE aspect of this. But they get it authenticated. They document the whole thing, and along the way, by while they're doing all this, they've reached out to a guy by the name of Matt. Now Matt is apparently a big sports card or card collector in the space, and goes by. I'm not sure if this is his Instagram or if it's an eBay handle. It goes by at Shine, S-H-Y-N-E, 150. So they've got video of themselves in the hotel room in Indianapolis before the box was authenticated by BBCE, calling Matt, telling them what they're doing, trying to sell him the box, saying, hey, we're going to go get authenticated, we, you know, trying to pitch him and get him to sell the, and, and get him to buy the box. So they get it authenticated. They reach out to Matt. Really, I mean, they are selling him hard on this, and ultimately they're successful. In the, and again, this is all documented in the videos. And he does buy the case from them after it was authenticated by BBCE. And I should note here that this was the first Pokemon case that BBCE authenticated. Remember, BBCE is called Baseball Card Exchange. They've been in the business of authenticating sports card wax, mostly baseball cards, but they will do football and basketball as well. They've never done Pokemon or TCG, trading card game cards. And so this was literally the very first one they had ever done. So that's important I think to note as well. So this Matt at Shine 150 buys the case from Jacob and Mealy Pops for 2.7 million. So think about that. It sold for $75,000 and like a month later they sell it to this Matt guy for 2.7 million dollars. Then he in turns sells it to Logan Paul for 3.5 million dollars. I mean is come on is there not something that smells like a fish in all this like i i just anyway and then apparently matt and logan paul become quote unquote close friends and matt tells logan paul that if the case was proven to be fake he would refund him now logan paul has the box for 3.5 million this gets widely reported within the hobby I saw Ken Golden from Golden, Golden Auctions touting this sale on social media. There was a lot of hype being produced about it. Again, we did not report on it very intentionally, and I'll mention that in a minute why. So then, not more than a couple days after he buys this box and pays $3.5 million of big deals made out of it, there's another guy, and again, all these handles, these social media handles, by, that goes by Rattle Pokemon on YouTube. And he's apparently, you know, he's a content producer, apparently an expert on Pokemon boxes and cards. So he does a few videos detailing all the sketchy history of this box, you know, that we talked about with the original seller on eBay and very few transactions. It's in Canada and why, in, you know, a bunch of red flags about it. He also goes on to produce a video that details just a lot of actually really interesting and good information about the box itself and the label and the the, seat, the tape and the ceiling and the whole the whole thing about and and the barcode on it everything i mean he really did his homework and basically says this box is fake and and it starts to raise suspicions in the hobby that this box is fake 
now Mealy Pops and Jacob apparently go after this rattle Pokemon guy. Again, you can't make this stuff up. They get mad at him for posting these videos about the questionable authenticity of it and the backstory of the case. That seems like a red flag to me. Why would you get mad at him? Why would you not, you know? And so long story short, or maybe long story long now, the case is fake. They stage this whole thing where they go to Chicago. And when I say they, I mean Logan Paul, Matt, this at Shine 150. They get a representative. I think it might be the owner, Steve from BBCE. They all go to Chicago. Why Chicago? Not really sure. But they go there. They're in a hotel room. They video this whole thing. They open the box. And as they open the box, they realize this is fake. So then, or I should say they open the case. They realize the boxes look fake. Then they open one of the boxes, and it's full of, guess what? G.I. Joe card packs. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. No Pokemon. This is the scandal that's going on. So BBC, obviously, egg on their face for authenticating this. They've now come out and said they're no longer going to be authenticating Pokemon or UGO cases or boxes, at least for now, until they can figure this out and get some. And remember, that was the first box they ever did of Pokemon. So, And supposedly Matt has said he would refund Logan, and I believe Mealypop has said the same, but I'm not sure that Jacob has. And then this Pokeju guy, Michael Goldstein, now remember, he's got over 37,000 followers on Instagram and like something like 350,000 on TikTok or something like that. And in his story, he says he got contacted from a random Instagram person who gave him contact information about a guy that had a box for sale on eBay. He contacted that seller, said he was told by the seller that they got the box at an estate, or I should say case, at an estate sale. And he pretty much, meaning Michael Goldstein, this Pokejew, pretty much threw BBC under the bus saying he relied on their authentication. But the problem with that is that happened after they purchased the box. And so Matt, in my opinion, is really the only one that could say, and then Logan, that could say they relied on BBC's authentication, not Jacob or Mealybop or Michael Goldstein or, you know, whatever all their, Pokeju, whatever all their names are. Now, this Michael Goldstein said he did all the research to verify the authenticity of the box when he bought it or when he helped arrange for the sale for Jacob. But the reality of it is there were several red flags that he, that he glossed over. But even if you got fooled by all that, the one thing that he didn't address, and he put out a YouTube video on this as well, and the one thing he didn't address is why would a case that valuable sell for that price? Did they really think they could buy a case for $75,000, turn around and immediately sell it for $2.7 million, and that didn't seem odd to anybody? And then, and then the guy that buys it for 2.7 can turn around and sell it for 3.5. And nobody seems to question that, hey, there's something that may not be right about this. This seems a little odd. I mean, come on. And at the very least, here's my other issue with all this. Let's say you go, no, I didn't think it was anything odd at all. Well, at the very least, did you not think you were taking advantage of the seller? Like if you really thought it was legit and it was authentic, why would you not tell the seller why would you not do the upstanding, the right thing, have some integrity, and tell the seller, hey, look, I can't buy this from you for $75,000. That would be criminal. That would be ripping you off. That would be taking advantage of you. Don't take advantage of someone that doesn't know any better. 
you say, well, the guy just wanted to sell it, whatever. I don't care. That 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 you can let the guy know. Look, this is worth way more than seventy-five thousand dollars. And so tell the guy, I think you should sell this at auction or give him a fair price of what it's worth. You didn't do that, but not only did you not do that, but you say you didn't question the authenticity. So again, if you did not question the authenticity, then basically what you're saying is you ripped this guy off. You took advantage of him. Um, now, at the end of the day, this guy took advantage of them because it was fake. Now, let's talk about Logan Paul for a minute because... Here's the reason we did not report on this. I very intentionally chose not to mention this when this came out because he is known for one of probably the worst major influencer stunts in YouTube history. And I'm not, I'm not it's so bad I'm not even going to talk about what it, what it was. If anyone wants to go look it up, you can. You can go get on the internet and, talk, and look it up. But it was awful. And he basically almost lost his career in the social media space as an influencer at that point because he kind of got ostracized and really blasted. Um, but nonetheless, he became popular for whatever reason. He did, frankly, just always was doing a bunch of stupid stuff, if you He's ask me. He's basically popular for being an idiot. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's look, literally his brand. I yeah. mean, if you really yeah, want to exactly. get down to it. And, that's the, and that was the He's other reason. He's done a lot of stupid stuff um, yeah. kind of before then that was that no one really like got onto him about, but it was just kind of like... I don't know. A lot of really kind of dumb and disrespectful things. Yeah, disrespectful. That's a good word for it. And that's why, and you know, that one of the reasons I also didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want to necessarily be critical of this guy. Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of that but, stuff has been a long time ago, to be fair. To be fair, it was a long time bad. ago. But I don't know. I just, I just didn't really feel like I wanted to give it the time of day. Now, people do talk about redemption, and supposedly this guy has wanted to redeem himself in his image. And okay, maybe that's true. But... The bottom line is I didn't necessarily think it was good when he made headlines and purchased this case. And so while I wouldn't have predicted this specific thing to happen, I also didn't think anything good was going to come out of it. And I suspected there was going to be some kind of big controversy on it. And that's why we didn't report on it because I just didn't want to give it the time. I just felt like this is going to be bad and we don't need to give it any more attention than it was already getting. And so now, unfortunately, our suspicions turned out to be true. Again, we wouldn't have predicted what happened. But certainly, when you have someone like that, who that's what he's known for, is just all kinds of these publicity stunts. You know, it's one of those where there's no such thing as bad publicity. That's pro You know, I feel like that's kind of his mantra to some degree. Um, but, and frankly, after you watch all the videos and everything on this, which I've done, I don't want to say recommend anyone else doing, but... Although, you know, if you like drama and soap operas, you, you know, maybe this would be interesting to you. But I'm not convinced that this was nothing more than a publicity stunt. Right now, it's kind of people are talking about, oh, they feel sorry for Logan Paul and they feel sorry for this Matt guy. And, and so everyone other than maybe this Michael Goldstein and maybe Jacob, who I'm not sure if he's actually refunded the money now, maybe if he refunds it, it'd be different. But some of those sort of original dealers in this, the Mealy Pop, the Jacob, the Michael Goldstein, obviously whoever the original seller was in Canada, they're taking a lot of heat, but people are kind of giving Matt and Logan Paul a free pass and acting as though they're innocent in this, and maybe they are. Maybe they just got duped, and maybe they truly did just rely on the BBCE authentication, but I just... I, there's just so much to this story that seems off to me 
and it just really seems like something's not right here. And if you look at the video they did as an example when they went to Chicago, literally in the intro of the video, before they show you them opening the box to show it's fake, it instantly has Logan Paul promoting one of his brands and laughing and saying, hey, buy this, put money in my pocket in an odd way about the whole thing. Apparently he must have shot that video after everything else because he did say that the story sucks and he's out three and a half million and so he wants everyone to go out and buy these products to put money back in his pocket. I don't know. They recorded, you know, the purchase of the box. It was a record sales amount. Almost immediately that story comes out. It might be fake. I mean, just the whole thing. All, all the inconsistencies. And even Matt, there's a video out there with Matt and he says, well, the reason he has concern is that the person that brought it to him had so many inconsistencies in his story, and he had like three or four different stories, and that was his issue, he said. Now, this is before they opened the box to determine it was fake. So why did you buy the box? Again, he says he relies on BBCE, but, and that he would have never purchased it if it wasn't for them authenticating it. But I don't know. Again, I just feel like this smells like a rat. I'm not, con I mean, again, maybe they got duped, but I'm not convinced that this whole thing from start to finish wasn't just one big publicity stunt by a bunch of social media followers who knew, who have that mantra of any, public you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. And um, we'll see. I may be totally wrong on that. But the bottom line is people, someone, or maybe multiple people do need to be brought to justice in all of this because it's just a bad look for the hobby. And so anyway, all right, well, I'll be done with that. Let's go to the second part of our penalty box rant because this was another t terrible thing that happened in a hobby, and it was something that a breaker did. You know what a breaker is? Of course. Yeah. So for our listeners, real quick, it's just you can – we've talked about breakers, but they – you can – a bunch of people can buy into a box, and then you – the breaker, everyone kind of watches online as the breaker opens that box, and they open the pack of cards, and then – the people that bought in get certain cards that they open, and it's it's kind of a whole thing. Well, so there's these guys that call themselves backyard breaks, and frankly, they've got a history of being obnoxious. Not really sure why people do business with them, but again, don't necessarily want to be critical of people, but I mean, good grief. You can just watch some of their videos and understand very quickly what I'm talking about. But so they apparently, I think this was yesterday or the day before, they're going to do a break, but instead of having people buy into it, they're going to give the cards away that they pull in the break. And so they're videoing themselves doing this, and then lo and behold, they pull a big hit. They pulled a gold Trevor Lawrence Kaboom card, which I think might have been a 101, probably worth twenty to $30,000. And after pulling that card, they're like hooting and hollering and yelling and carrying on, and then, they, and then they come out and say, hey, we can't give this away for free. And it's like, wait, really? You said you're doing a giveaway. And then because you pull a good, now you can't give it away for, I mean, come on. So they catch a ton of heat and backlash from everyone over that. So then after catching all that heat, they come out and say, okay, they will sell the card and they'll give money, the money to charity. Thinking they've, okay, we, we've done everyone right. by you know, And we're doing the right thing here. But then they continue to get heat because everyone points out that, hey, all that does is benefit them because they get that tax right off of a charitable deduction. They said they were going to give this card away, give the card away. And so then they come out and say, all right, well, we'll give it away to a random winner or whatever. But what, what I wonder, and I'm not sure I didn't, wasn't able to follow the, or get any information about how this all kind of ended up prior to us needing to record this show, but what happened to the person who was supposed to get it in the first place? Why doesn't that person get the card? I'm not sure. Was it a random thing in the first place? I don't know. 
the, again, bottom line with this, shady. It's just nothing but shady. These guys should be put out of business. They were they did breaks online, but they were also on the WhatNot platform, as I understand it, which is a big platform in the space. So hopefully WhatNot is going to kick them off. If they don't, then I think people ought to look at WhatNot differently and maybe not transact on that platform. I mean, this is the kind of stuff, honestly, that just gets me. I just don't I, – I know I'm maybe – I'm not, I'm not naive, but I do dream and hope and wish I don't that people would just do the right thing and stop trying to scam people. I mean, this is the kind of crap the hobby needs to clean up, and it's the kind of crap that causes people to become disenchanted with the hobby, and it just drives me nuts. And I hope that leaders of the of the top companies in the space can really start to come together and work to come up with ways to rid the hobby of these scam artists out there and people that want to do nothing but take advantage of people because I'm just sick and tired of hearing these kind of stories and I will say this too for our listeners everyone I'm sure knows this but I want to say it anyway not everyone in the space is bad not everyone is out to take advantage of you there are a lot of good honest people that have integrity and do the right thing this is why we say you have to know who you're doing business with and only do business with people that you know and trust, people that have proven themselves to have upstanding character and integrity and that will always do right by their customers. That's important. And these stories, unfortunately, highlight why that's so important. All right. All right. I think I'm done. Think you're done? Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've pretty thoroughly covered um, all of that. So let's move on. and. Change us some stuff that's a little bit more positive, and we'll jump into the halftime report. All right, so the MLB said that they would resume contract talks on Thursday, but early reports indicate those talks didn't go so well. So here we are, 40-plus days and counting on the lockout. Opening day is uh, March 31st. Yeah, not looking good there. So I guess that maybe that wasn't starting out with more positive news. <laughs> well, we'll get there, <laughs> we but got, like... yeah. I mean, that's pretty positive news to say that they would resume contract talks at least. That's true. They, that's true. Although it's so, not sounding, I'm not, I'm, I am a little um, on the pessimistic side of this. Oh, no, I, I for sure am too. I don't think that the MLB has a very uh, pretty long history of not really running the MLB very well. So, And I think this unfortunately might end up running into the spring, into spring training and causing a delay of the season, but we'll see. But we do have some other positive news um, that's not that negative in baseball. And this is the New York Yankees have hired Rachel Balkovich as the manager of the Tampa Tarpons. And that's their low A affiliate. It's a minor league team. Rachel becomes the first female manager in affiliated professional baseball history. So that's pretty cool. There have been other women in baseball, things like, you know, trainers and um, and whatnot, but not a manager of a team. And so she's the first, which I think is cool. All right. And then even though the Mint Collective pushed back the date of their conference to the end of March, the auction they were going to run is still on schedule and is now live. There are 25 iconic items being offered. Yep. And included in those are two of the ones that we're invested in. We talked about last time on the collectible platform. That's the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar basketball that he scored the uh, NBA point record with and the Ty Cobb card. And then they're also offering some others, like there's a Tom Brady autographed jersey that was game-worn, one of Tom Brady's contenders championship ticket autograph cards. Uh, there's a Babe Ruth autographed bat, a Jordan jersey that's 
what he uh, referred to as, I guess, the last dance buzzer beater jersey because it was the one he wore in the game against Atlanta in his final season that was chronicled in the last dance documentary. There's also a Mickey Mantle game used bat, a Mickey Mantle rookie card, which, by the way, is a 51 Bowman, a Willie Mays rookie card, which is also a 1951 Bowman, and several other items. That auction is live now on Leland's, which you can get to through our site. Go to www.the615collector.com, click on Hobby Resources, click on Auction Houses, and you'll see the link to Leland's there. In grading company news, PSA announced that they're introducing a 20% premium on their dual service, which is just when the grade, both the card and the autograph on the card. That's right. And I don't think there was any difference in price previously between if they just did a grade on the card or a grade on the autograph versus doing both. So this is effectively a price increase, which is understandable because there is extra work associated with it, but thought it was interesting. And then also don't look now, but they have about one month of backlog left. Still a lot of cards left in backlog, but got it down for the most part to one month because most of their service levels have cleared the backlog through the end of February. Remember, they shut down at the end of March. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens as they continue to work through that in the coming months and potentially be able to open up additional service levels, maybe at lower price points. They have been, I've noticed, ramping up production this week after the holidays. And I've also noticed they've been advertising their regular service level on social media. And that would suggest maybe they aren't getting as many submissions as they might have thought when they opened that up. I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. Um, I just don't recall them advertising for any service levels that were open over the last several months. So I thought that was interesting. All right. And then Gemrate now has pop report information from three grading companies, including PSA, BGS, and SGC on their platform. Yeah. And they noted that at the, or as of, I should say, the beginning of the year, the gem rate, which is the percentage of cards receiving tens from each of those companies, was 38% for BGS, 25% for PSA, and 10% for SGC. And then My Slabs, which is a, a marketplace platform that we've talked about, we're actually on there. We've got some stuff up, cards up uh, for sale on that platform. They announced a bunch of updates as well and a bunch of enhancements that are coming in 2022. Frankly, there's too many of them to detail here, but if you want to go to their website or if you follow them on social media, you can learn more about the updates they have coming there. All right, and we've talked about card releases in the last couple of shows, so I wanted to provide a quick update on a few of the card release dates. Uh, first is the Panini 2020-21 Flawless Basketball. That is January 26th, first off the line coming next week. The Panini 2021 Immaculate Football, which is January 28th, again, first off the line coming next week. And the 2022 Tops Series 1 Baseball, February 16th. Yeah, and remember those first off the line are just, uh, they, they have some additional or some special kind of serial numbered cards that are specific to those first off the line boxes and then the regular hobby boxes come out on those dates that you mentioned the industry does continue to see record setting prices uh, the market is becoming more selective so while some cards are coming down in price there's others that do continue to set record prices yeah uh, there is a serena williams card that set an all-time record sales price for any woman's sports card golden reported that not certain if it's true, but nonetheless, <laughs> yeah. it was an interesting it's sale. It's probably, I haven't had a chance to validate that. I'm sure it's true, but uh, always, you know, want to caveat that that was someone else that was saying that, so it may or may not be true, but I'm sure it was. It was a Net Pro Elite card. It was a glossy version of that card. It was graded a PSA 10, and it sold for 55000 
$200, which was nice to see that. Remember, we talked about Serena Williams early on, a long time ago. Might have even been in the very first show or one of the first two shows that we did. Talked about how we thought her cards represented some value. So nice to see her getting her uh, or some hobby love in that regard. We've also seen graded ticket prices starting to get hot. Yeah, several of them sold for record prices. There was a Ken Griffey Jr. debut ticket where the Seattle Mariners played the Oakland A's. That sold for over $20,000. And then I think you've got a couple soccer tickets that sold too. Yep, uh, a David Beckham ticket sold for over 15000 and a Pele World Cup debut ticket sold for 36000 Yeah, and we've mentioned also several athletes and celebrities that collect cards, so thought this was interesting. Uh, Actor Rob Goh, and by the way, he's got an interesting story. He's a cancer survivor, he's an entrepreneur, and then obviously an actor as well. But he was the one that paid, if you remember, uh, we've talked about this card, he paid $5.2 million for the 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle card that was graded a PSA 9. That was a record sale last year. I think that might have been the second or third highest selling card last year and I saw a story where he said that someone offered him 15 million dollars for that card and he turned it down wow yeah well uh, that gives credence to the predictions from many that we will see an eight-figure card sale in 2022 yeah absolutely assuming that someone accepts it and doesn't turn it down like that but right all right well let's go ahead that'll be enough for the uh, halftime report let's move on to film study Okay, so we'll start off. That in, might have been the fastest halftime report we've ever done. It probably, just by the way, it probably was. There wasn't. It's got to be a record. Well, it's probably it's because there wasn't as much sort of what I'd call real hobby news. There was all that sort of scam news that we ended up spending a lot of time on, which yeah. stunk. But all right, well, let's talk. We got football and basketball. Let's start maybe with some football. And we could start maybe with... Let's go ahead and talk about... So we, we definitely want to talk about this just because Wild Card Weekend is coming up uh, this weekend. So uh, I think we just kind of wanted to run through uh, what the matchups are for everybody in case maybe you're not following football as closely or you haven't gotten a chance to actually like look and see what all the matchups are for the first round. So first of all, Green Bay and the Titans have the first round buys. They're the top seeds in the AFC and the NFC. Um, following along, we'll go ahead and start with the NFC. So our first matchup is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then we have uh, the 49ers gonna, versus the gonna Cowboys. Are we, we going to do predictions or are you just oh. going to go through them? Well, let's do it later. Okay. Um, so again, uh, San Francisco uh, versus Dallas. We have the Cardinals versus the LA Rams. So that's the NFC playoff picture. Uh, going over to the AFC, we have the Steelers and Kansas City. Patriots versus the Bills. That's going to be a good one. And then finally, we have what is that? The Bengals and the Raiders? Yep. Yes. And Which, that is the AFC playoff picture. Yeah. Going and forward, the lowest seed will play Tennessee, and the lowest seed in the NFC will play Green Bay, respectively. Yeah. I want to talk about that Raiders Chargers game at some point because that was an absolutely, I mean, just an unbelievable game. That one's going to go down, in my opinion, is probably one of the all time great games ever to be played and and especially given everything that was at stake for that game it, it was it was crazy but we'll get to that a little bit later all right so we want to do our predictions now or do well, that later first of all i feel like we should talk about you know what kind of matchups we have here what are, what are the most interesting matchups that we're kind of looking at here because we have a couple of matchups here that maybe aren't going to be like you know 
super super interesting but you know maybe we can talk about a couple well you i got- definitely want to mention first of all the the raiders and the Bengals is a pretty interesting matchup just because yeah. of both of their respective playoff droughts yeah um so one of those is going to end which is pretty cool for both of them yeah and and of course you got joe burrow with the Bengals, and then Derek carr with the raiders i think i still think Carr's underrated um not only in in football but in the in the sport card world as well obviously the patriots bills game definitely is be huge i mean honestly as i'm looking at all these games they're I mean, all huge. they're all pretty good for the uh, most part but i yeah. think definitely a few kind of stand I out mean, from the rest like, definitely the patriots bills i mean i rams, like the cardinals rams well cardinals rams obviously because they're in the same division right so they play each other what twice a year now mm-hmm. they're going to meet again in the playoffs i think they split the season series yeah i think so um so it should be interesting to see. And then the Niners, Cowboys. Now, Cowboys to me are one of the hotter teams in football, but so are the Niners. The Niners are coming in, you know, having done pretty well in their last several games and, and kind of sneaking into the playoffs as a result of that. But they're playing well. They're, you know, they're getting hot at the right time. So that'll be interesting. And then obviously the Eagles and the and the Bucks. And, I mean, you know, it'll just be fun to see Tom Brady go up against a young team. Well, and the issue there is, so I like Jalen Hurts. We've talked about him in the past with the Eagles. And and the Bucks, I think, are going to have quite a few players out with injuries. I don't think they're hmm. going to be going in that game with a full roster. I don't have in front of me, so I'm not sure exactly who's all going to be in and who's not. But that one, I think they're all going to be interesting games to me. Although the one that I think maybe not so much so, I, I kind of think Kansas City is going to blow out Pittsburgh. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. I, I definitely fans. agree. Sorry to any Pittsburgh fans. Hey, man, Pittsburgh is always, hey, the past few years, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of Pittsburgh fans will, will definitely agree, Pittsburgh is very historically very good, but then they can't win a playoff game. And it's, in, the, in recent years, at least. Yeah, I mean, in unless there's years. some sort of magic, because this is probably Ben they just They just, they just don't do that great in the playoffs recently. Yeah, yeah. But so. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, hey, I mean, the AFC, I feel like, is is really really open um all the records are very very close to each other um in the nfc you have a lot of teams that are pretty far above 500 but in the afc like the top record is i think 12 and 5 which is both tennessee and kansas city but tennessee had the tiebreaker everybody else is kind of pretty close to each other if i'm being honest do you want to make a uh, super bowl prediction who's going to be well i thought we would so what do we let's make a prediction well, well first of all, it. let's go through each matchup. Yeah. So right. Steelers, Kansas City. We already said I So I Kansas Cam- City. I got Kansas, Kansas City. City. So then, Patriots and Bills. Yep. Who do you got? I got the Patriots, honestly. No way. I got the Bills. I'm riding with Belichick. I got the Bills. I think the Josh Bills Allen. could win. No. I'm going with I'm going with the New England Patriots, even though I don't want them to get through because I don't want to potentially see them against Tennessee because I think that's potentially more dangerous than the bills to be honest because we lost the patriots no but the bills are really good the but bills i'm going with the, the new bills england patriots face tennessee would they they would because tennessee it would depends get, on who goes through if, um the if lowest the bills seed. win i think they'd more likely get the winner of the raiders Bengals game i'm not sure what the seedings are that's my issue yeah so well yeah that's true i think and yeah of course the steel wealth anyway okay so you got the, the patriots i'm going I got with the, the patriots bills. okay what and about then raiders Bengals. I'm going with the Bengals. So here's the thing. I'm riding with Burrow. Yeah, here's the thing. I want the I, Bengals to win a game the, in the playoffs. The the brain side of me says the Bengals, and but my emotional side, which I don't even know why I'm saying that, because I'm not a Raider fan. I'm a Bronco fan, so the Raiders are Broncos' arch enemy. 
But I just think the Raiders are – we talked about them last week. They're one of those teams that nobody wants to meet. I feel like they could sneak up they could. on someone. And, you know, the Bengals are one of those teams where, yeah, they're when they're on, they're good, but they could be susceptible to a bad game. So I – I'm torn on that one, and as and so because I'm torn, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm because I do think the Raiders can surprise someone, so I'm going to say they surprise them, and I'm going to go with the Raiders. Okay. But I, I think it's like 50-50. All right, okay. Well, let's go to the NFC. So we have uh, Eagles and Bucks. I'm, I'm going to go with Tom Brady. You know, I I'm gonna go with Tom Brady. I like Jalen Hurts, but I'm going with the Bucks on that one too. All right, and then 49ers Cowboys. I'm gonna go with the I'm uh I'm I'm gonna go with the Cowboys. I mean I'm with you. I I they're think, too hot. Yeah, they're a top five team in football. The, the, I I agree. I think it's the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys could actually, you know, they but could the go deep. Problem with the Cowboys is though is that they they have every once in a while they have those games where they just lay an egg, and hopefully this will not be that. But I agree. I think the Cowboys should win that one. And then probably what I would say is probably the most interesting one in terms of just being unsure of who's going to win the cardinals and the rams who do you got i'm i'm gonna go with the i'm gonna go with the rams are you i want See, the rams that's i think the rams here's my I, this is another one of those 50 50 games for me i agree i'm gonna go rams but this is one of those where i feel like the cardinals are going to sneak up because the cardinals have kind of done what they do which is they start out really hot and they kind of fall off as the season goes on but I think they could sneak up on the Rams because, frankly, the Rams probably have the better team, maybe. But I think Stafford has not been playing as well for the Rams lately. And if Kyler Murray can get hot and have yeah. a decent game. Well, the game, issue, the Rams' issue is always can they score enough points. <laughs> yeah. They can always defend, but, I mean, well, can you score more than the other team? And it doesn't really matter how much you can defend if you can't score. Yeah. So, but... We'll see. Their um, defense is strong. So I, I definitely think it's interesting because I saw an interesting stat today, which is that the the Cardinals are very very bad in like all rushing categories, um, which is interesting going up against an LA defense, which I think would be very very good at stopping the rush. Yeah. Which is not even going to really be necessary. Yeah. So we'll see if the passing defense can hold up, which I'm sure it will. But it'll be interesting to see for sure. Well. Rams, I think, have the better defense, and so I'm with you. I'd I'd probably go with the Rams. All right. So, all right. So now, who do you, let's who do you, let's say who do you got in the Super Bowl? Okay. Um, well, I'll start with the NFC. I think the NFC Championship game, we're gonna go with the Bucks and Green Bay, and I think the Bucks will beat Green Bay. I'm riding with Tom Brady. I'm never gonna bet against him. Okay. So I have the Bucks making it to the Super Bowl again. And then I have the AFC Championship. I've got I've got Tennessee and I've got Kansas City in that. Okay. And I think rematch from two years ago, and I think Tennessee is going to win this time. Okay. And so, so we have got... we have Tom Brady versus the Titans, the Tennessee Titans in the Super Bowl. Nice. Little bit. Home I mean, alert. yeah, maybe it's a little bit of bias, but I don't care. That's all I right. mean, you can't they're really the number one seed. You can't necessarily argue against me since Derek they're so Henry good. Might be coming back. You know. That's so, my take. That's okay. my pick. So then who do you have winning the Super Bowl? <sighs> well, I want Tennessee to win, so I'm going to go with Tennessee. But yeah, really, I, if in that kind of situation, it could go either way. I, I don't want to bet against Tom Brady, but I've got to go with, with, my Tennessee, with the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I think if Ten- I, gotta go with the I Tennessee would Titans. agree with you. If it got to that, I think Tennessee could have a shot because they got a decent defense. And, of course, they got Mike Vrabel. So 
on as a coach that I think knows the Patriots well. You know, that would Tom be Brady such a good well. game to see Vrabel go against Tom Brady. Yeah. That would be an incredible game. All right, so here's what I got. I think I'm not even sure if this is possible based on the seeding, but I would say Green Bay and the Cowboys in the championship game if that's even possible. But ultimately, I'm going to go with Green Bay and I think they make the Super Bowl on the um for the NFC. I think Rodgers, you know, gets them through. And then on the AFC side, you probably won't like this. I do think you will see Tennessee in the championship game. I think they're going to be facing off against Buffalo again, okay. if that's possible. I'm You're not really sure. high on Buffalo. I am. You're really high on Buffalo. And I'm not I sure like if that's Buffalo. the way the seating. I like would work. Buffalo. The seating may not work out that way, but I'm going with Buffalo into the Super Bowl. And I'm and so we hey, got Buffalo. We love got Buffalo against Green them Bay. Them Buffalo fans going to be going crazy up there if they make it in the Super Bowl. Yeah. You're going to see a lot of tables being smashed. Yeah. And. Buffalo and Green Bay, and you know, that's a hard one because there's part of me that thinks if Rodgers wins the Super Bowl, he could very well retire, and this could be his last year, and I could see him going out like that, kind of like John Elway did with the Broncos, but I actually think I'm still going to ride the Buffalo wave. I've been talking about Buffalo since the beginning of the season, and I'm going to say Buffalo Buffalo. wins the whole thing, and I think... uh, Josh Allen cards go crazy. Now, now don't go run out and buy a bunch of Josh Allen cards. But, uh, but um, no, I'm a, I'm a fan of them. I think they got a good defense. I also think they have a potent offense. And so we'll see. I don't know. They're not playing as great, but at the same time, they had the second best record in the AFC. I mean, it doesn't matter. Once you make the playoffs, the regular season doesn't matter. True to so some degree. But if you if you are, if you are good enough, and they are. You will perform in the playoffs. Now, and you I can will say, perform in the playoffs. and I will say this: Kansas City is hot and playing well. They're going to be tough for anyone to beat. So it's kind of hard not to go with them somewhere in the mix of all this. But that's that's where I'm at. All right. All right. So well, let's move on then. Let, well, let's touch on a couple things because we oh, mentioned well, you, did, you did have some other stuff you wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. just some quick. Um, you, you haven't even talked about the game yet. No, I want to talk about the Raider Chargers game and really quick a couple records that got broke because we talked about these players. So T.J. Watt broke the sack record. That was a really interesting thing, anyone that saw that, because he got a sack that was actually that got celebrated. Hey, tied the record. And then the statistician, statisticians, easy for me to say, ruled it not a sack and called it a tackle for loss. And yes, there is a difference and, you know, whatever. So that was, and then, but then later he got another sack, so ended up tying. And then Pittsburgh appealed the stat ruling. The appeal got denied. Anyway, long story short, T.J. Watt tied the sack record with Michael Strand for 22 and a half sacks in a season. And then Cooper Cup, this was huge. We talked about him last week. He did get the Triple Crown, became the first player since 2005, and the fourth player, only the fourth since 1970, to lead the NFL in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. The other players on that list, the other three, were Jerry Rice in 1990, Sterling Sharp in 1992, and Steve Smith who did it in 2005. So pretty good company on that list. We've talked about him before, and he is, he is from none other than Eastern Washington, where mm. your cousin is going to school and playing hockey up there right now. And then the other thing I thought was interesting, talking about Buffalo, so my Josh Allen play here, he became the only player in NFL history with 100 touchdown passes and 20 uh, rushing touchdowns in his first four seasons. That's impressive. Yeah, so I thought that was cool. But, yeah, the game I want to get to 
is that Raiders Chargers game because I don't know. I'm telling you, your your mom and I stayed up watched. I the didn't whole see thing. this game. Oh my goodness, I didn't see and it. it. I mean, we it, we were hurting the next day because it, it went long. It went into overtime. So, so remember, here's the setup, right? The winner of this game goes to the playoffs. The loser goes home, right? But then here's the setup. So during the day, this is the last game of the season. It's the night game. It's the last one of the season. And during the day, this is what happens. Remember, there was another playoff spot up for grabs. Everyone thought the Colts were going to get it because if they would have won, they would have got it. They were playing, was it Jackson? I think they played Jacksonville, and they laid an egg. They lost to Jacksonville. So now it's open. So now Pittsburgh and Baltimore are playing. They're both possibly getting one of those spots. Pittsburgh wins that game. That was an amazing game. That was close game. They come out with the victory. I think it was, I forget the final on that, but it was like a last minute. That was a pretty close game. So now Pittsburgh, the only way Pittsburgh doesn't get the playoff spot is if San Diego, or San Diego, they're now LA, the Chargers, we'll call them the Chargers, and the Raiders tie. If they tie, they're both in. But if one of them wins, the winner's in, and the Pittsburgh Steelers get the final playoff spot. Mm -hmm. So now there's these three teams, right? So here's what happens. So the Raiders jump out to this big lead. And then in the fourth quarter, they're down by a couple of touchdowns, and the Chargers come back. And they end up tying the game. So long story short here, they end up tying the game, going into overtime. But how they got there was absolutely amazing. If you get a chance to go watch a replay of the game, I highly recommend at least watching that fourth quarter. Justin Herbert was unbelievable. I mean, the throws he was making in that fourth quarter, they must have converted, I don't even know how many fourth downs. There must have been a half a dozen or more fourth downs. And I'm not talking about fourth down and inches where you'd quarterback sneak. I'm talking like fourth and 12 fourth and 15, fourth and eight, what, you know, long fourth down conversions. And he was throwing darts and they end up tying the game. Okay. And it goes into overtime. And so now remember overtime rules. Okay. If the first team scores a touchdown, if the guy the team that gets the ball first scores a touchdown, they win. But if they get a field goal or, or not, the other team gets a possession and, and then if they get a field goal, then, then the next team to win scores. So the Raiders get the ball, they go down, they get a field goal. Then the Chargers get the ball. They come down, they get a field goal. Now the Raiders get a ball. And here's the other thing. Overtime, it's like it's 10 minutes, I think, instead of 15, which is a regular quarter. So now time's running off the clock. It's a tie game. Literally the only scenario the Steelers can't make the playoffs is if these two teams tie. And here's the other thing. These two teams know that if one of them loses, they're going home. Whereas if they end in a tie, they both go to the playoffs. And so they're, you know, you're wondering like, what's going to happen? Are they going to play for the tie? Are they going to take a kneel and play for the tie? Because then they ensured themselves they both go. Well, so Oakland gets the ball. It's the final drive. They're going down. They're at like midfield. There's maybe 50 seconds left. The clock's running down. They, I forget the play, but they get to like the, I don't know, call it the, I think it was around the 40 yard line, somewhere in there. Would have been from there. It would have been like a 55, 60 yard field goal, roughly. So probably not going to take a chance and kick that field goal, I would have to believe, because what if it gets blocked and returned for a touchdown? You know, you don't want to ruin your playoff shot. And there's seconds, at this point, there's like 40 seconds, something like that left. The clock's ticking down, okay? And then inexplicably, San Diego calls timeout. And now the Raiders run one last play, 
I mean, like the clock, and and there's and but we'll get to what happened after the game, by, which is kind of interesting too. But so the Raiders run their last play, they get like eight or nine yards, make it you know a, a more manageable field goal, like fifty yard or something. Still not you know still long, but they've got a really good kicker, and so they run that one more play, call timeout, and with like three seconds, they kick the field goal. Time expires. Raiders win. Chargers go home. Steelers get into That's the playoffs. Called playing to win right there. That's then, good but stuff. But then after the game, there's video of a Raiders play. I think it might have been the punter, one of the Raiders players talking to Austin Eckler of the Chargers. And you can't see what he's saying, but based on Eckler's response, it sure looks like he's telling Eckler that had you not called the timeout, we would have let the clock run out. And because you hear, you see Eckler like listening to him. He's got his the the Raider player's got his mouth covered, and Eckler kind of like gives him this shocked look, like what? Like are you serious? And and he's and he's like yeah, and he's like oh my goodness, like you could just see it on Eckler's face. And and then you know Carr even made a comment about it in the post game that they might have done that. And anyway, and and of course there's been you know the Chargers coach said no, he doesn't believe they were going to play for the win and so on and so forth, but. It sure, I can tell you from watching the game live, it sure looked like the Raiders were going to go ahead and let that clock run out, and both of those teams would have gone to the playoffs. And now think about that for a second, too. If you're Pittsburgh, right, you're Ben Roethlisberger, your last season, right, you, hey, all you need is one of these two teams to win. There's only been one tie, I think, right? And actually, Pittsburgh had the tie. I think they were the only team that had a game yeah. that ended in a tie this year. And then you, you need this one game, you need someone to win, and it's looking like it's going to end in a tie. Oh my God, I'm telling you the drama, the suspense, and just the play. Herbert is the real deal. If you watch some of the throws he made in the fourth quarter, when they show the view from behind Herbert where you can see what he sees downfield, man, the windows that he was throwing some of these balls into, there are very few quarterbacks that could make those throws without the the balls getting picked or or batted away or whatever. It was He was absolutely amazing. That gave me a whole different perspective on Herbert. I mean, I've been a fan. Obviously, he's a duck, an Oregon duck. Being from there, I, you know, like him. But, man, but that was a whole nother level of play. But then on the flip side, we've talked about Derek Carr. He doesn't get – I mean, then he just keeps his calm. He just brings the Raiders back, keeps bringing them back, keeps bringing them back, and ultimately puts them in a position to win the game. That one, I'm telling you, is going to go down as wow. a game for the ages. And then one I last mean, thing. Hey, I respect. I mean, I respect them trying to win. I, I mean, I will say I this: like, well. like, first of all, you in sports, you're playing to win. You're not playing to tie. I don't care if both you go. Yeah. Second of all, the Chargers are not really a team that you'd want to see later in the playoffs anyway. Oh, they'd be. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, yeah. You don't really want to go to the playoffs because what would the seating be? Would they be four or five? Or would it be? Um, I don't know. Because. I'm not sure. If they were four or five, potentially, you don't want to go and play them again after that kind of a game, right? Yeah, exactly. Especially even down the line. So, like, even playing, I'd much rather, if I'm I'm the Raiders, I'd much rather play, you know, Pittsburgh eventually, even though that's not going to happen based on seeding. Yeah. Than potentially play the Chargers again. Yeah. You know, so. I would agree with that. One last point, and then we'll move to basketball, is Max Crosby for the Raiders. He's a defensive lineman for the Raiders, and holy cow, he was a beast in that game. In that fourth quarter, he was – so I will say this. He was all over Herbert. Like every – it seemed like every single snap – because they knew they had to throw the ball because they had to score two touchdowns in a short amount of time. And every snap, it seemed like Crosby was in Herbert's face. And I think he sacked him a couple times, but ultimately Herbert was able to get away and make some good throws. 
but holy cow, that guy's a beast. And funny story about him, his name is, we got to put this one in maybe some of our trivia games or spelling games because his name is Max Crosby, but you know his first name spelled? Yeah, with two X's. That's just not fair though. That's just stupid. <laughs> his mom gave, tells the funny story, I guess, that apparently he was so large at birth that they gave him an extra X in his name. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, and I actually will say, um, I am pretty positive actually that the Bengals Raiders matchup is in fact the four five matchup. I'm pretty sure I did see that today. So just kind of, you know, to confirm my point, um, I'm pretty sure that if the Chargers would have gone through, they probably, well, maybe not. Well, maybe they would have taken Pittsburgh. One of, spot. Yeah, one of them would have taken one of them Pittsburgh. Taken, spot, so never so mind. So maybe not. Uh, so maybe Kansas not. City. So I guess it didn't really yeah, matter. Probably. Well, not. either way. But the, yeah, either so. way. Anyway, All right. It well, was a great game. Mm-hmm. It, I'm telling you, it'll go down as one of the best games, I think, and one of the best games in, in history, given everything that was at stake for the playoffs and everything else. It was unbelievable. All right, basketball. Let's get into All that. All right, yeah, we'll go. We can run through this a little bit quickly. Just kind of get to some of the, the newsy stuff. So, obviously, Clay Thompson is back. He's back. He looked pretty good. He did. He hit 12,000 points and 1,800 threes, and evidently is the fastest player not named Steph Curry to reach 1,800 threes, which is yep. 615 games, created it in 545. Yeah. Now, of course, Clay Thompson has missed the past, you know, two and a half years-ish. Yeah. So, as far as, you know, pace for career goes probably will not catch curry if that's what anybody's thinking but still very very impressive um he's definitely probably the second best shooter in the league yeah so james wiseman also for the warriors uh they just disclosed he had a second surgery actually in mid-december yep which was just a scope and cleanup i'm not sure if that really is going to affect when he's coming back or not because i know he did go to the g league with clay and start playing a little bit so i don't know if that should really affect how soon he's coming back or not yeah, but we'll see. Well, and they um, apparently didn't disclose that when he had it done. I'm not sure yeah. why. But so I guess we'll out. see when he'll come back. Yep. But um, LeBron passed Oscar Robertson for seventh on all-time assists. Now yep. approaching That's Magic cool. Johnson. He's now approaching Magic. That's crazy to me just because I've got memories of watching Magic. Mm-hmm. And I don't think about LeBron as being a Magic Johnson, well, you know, with that, see, those numbers of you assists. Know, yeah, I'm going to tell you, that's actually very interesting to me because I honestly think LeBron... For as much as he can score, and as maybe a lot of people know him as a scorer, I feel like LeBron's biggest like strength and the reason why he is so good is because he might be the smartest player in basketball, and he's very historically had a lot of you know high assist games. Well, maybe not high assist games, but he's always averaged like a very good number of assists. Like yeah. his career average is like you know like maybe twenty six, you know seven seven something like that. Yeah. Um, so he's always been one of the better passers in the game, actually. And maybe people don't look at that because he can score so well. But yeah. definitely, I've always honestly compared him, which maybe is not very fair, but I've honestly compared him a little bit more to Magic than I've compared him to like Michael Jordan for that reason. And I don't think that's really a fair comparison to make, but I'm saying, I'm just saying in the sense that he isn't just a scorer. Right. Um, yeah. He's just a very, you know, smart player yeah. in that sense. No, he's, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Definitely a different type of player. Exactly. Magic, I don't think I, he's anything like how Magic played, but right. I'm just saying, like, in terms of that conversation, I would, you know, yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, I can see that. All right. Well, yeah, no, I thought, I thought that was interesting with that. Um, and then I know real quick, when then before we talk about John Morant and the Grizzlies, because I know we want to get into that, we'll also just touch on another sort of milestone. Seth Curry, I think, is quietly, Steph's brother, quietly putting together a great season for the 76ers. In our last show, you talked about Dirk Nowitzki and the Dallas Mavericks retiring his number and him, I think, in one, one or more of his seasons hitting the 
the 90-50-40 mark, which is 90% shooting from free throws, 50% from the field, 40% from threes. And Seth Curry is on pace on that now. He's the only one he's shy on is free throws. Um, he's at like 87, 88% on free throws. And I will say, like, Seth Curry has actually, he has a 50, 40, 90 season already. And I feel like he kind of always is quietly one of the better shooters in the league. Um, this season, I think, maybe stands out a little bit just because with all the, you know, COVID reserve injury list kind of stuff that the Philadelphia 76ers have had to deal with and really every team has had to deal with. Seth well, Curry's been able to step up and be the leading scorer in some games. Yeah. And so he's been able to, you know, and of course, take on a little bit of a bigger role. Either too, of course, so, yeah. 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 All right, so you want to talk John Morant and the Grizzlies, or do you want to do... Uh... Let's do Memphis, because that's really the big story right now. Yep. I think we need to hit Memphis. And yep. um, so uh, if you haven't been keeping up, Memphis has been on an 11-game win streak now that Jaw's back. And they've beat some very good teams along the way. Yeah. Some of the top teams in basketball, they've beat the Nets, they beat the Warriors, finally. Um, that was big. Very historic. Yeah, I mean, the past two years, they've been really struggling against the Warriors. They finally did beat them um, this season, um, pretty recently on this 11-game win streak, which is pretty impressive. And, and so Memphis, Memphis is coming, man. And so I kind of wanted to talk about them for a second and kind of talk about, well, A, like why they're winning which I think, I mean, I mean, that's pretty obvious. I mean, they have jaw. They've got a really solid team. But, like, they kind of remind me of the Phoenix Suns from last season a little bit from, from where they're at right now. Cause, and what I mean by that is, you know, they don't really, they're not really, like, in the same situation at all. But they kind of started the season in a situation where everybody's like, okay, like, they're pretty good, but, like, you know, how good are they really going to be? And they kind of hovered around the four spot for a pretty long time. And then, just like Phoenix did last season, they went on a little bit of run and winning and got up to the top three, and then Phoenix eventually got up into the top two and top one and kind of traded off with Utah for a little bit before finally finishing at second and then eventually making the finals. But, you know, Memphis is now one of the only three teams in the NBA with 30 wins, putting them at, I think, third in the West or something like that. Which Yeah, they're third. They closed the gap very fast because before then it was Phoenix and the Warriors were at the top, very yep. close. Utah was about a game and a half behind, and then Memphis was probably like a few games behind Utah. And then everybody else in the West was like about 500. So it was like those two, then Utah, and then Memphis. Memphis has now closed the gap on Utah and is right there with them. So now the top four in the West is pretty pretty close, and Memphis is right up there with them. Yeah. And so I definitely think that Memphis is going to continue this. I think they're kind of the next team up in terms of these like younger guys that are coming into the NBA. They obviously have Jaw. He is the guy as far as young point guards go. He might be the best young point guard in the league right now yeah did you see i mean i think everyone's talking about that block that he had against oh, the yeah. lakers i think it was against avery bradley uh, that was ridiculous mm -hmm. and so i kind of just want to talk about a how memphis kind of built this team because i think it's very important to know that a big reason why memphis is in the place they are is actually not because of jaw at all it was while jaw was out they went 10 and 2 without jaw and that's very uh, important yeah. to say because Memphis doesn't really seem to have a lot of standout players by the NBA standards, you would think, without Ja. They have Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr., who is very, very good, but he's still very young. They have Dylan Brooks, who actually, you know, missed some time in the middle of that, too. Um, they have Desmond Bain, who's another young, uh, very, very good uh, shooter. And those are really kind of, I would say, probably their top guys. They've got a lot of other great players, really good role players that are doing a lot for them. Brandon Clark. Mm -hmm. Brandon Clark they've got a couple rookies but so this is a very young team and I think that's important they're kind of doing 
something similar to what Golden State did. And what I mean by that is when they brought in Ja, they kind of brought in Ja not only because he was a great player, but they brought him in for culture. And what a lot of people don't really realize about Ja is he's become actually a very good leader. And there's been a little bit of talk about that, but you may not have heard of it. He's a very, very solid leader for this team. The team kind of takes after them and they pick up on that and they are fully behind him because they know he's kind of the guy in the league right now. And so that's really suiting them well. And all those players are just getting better and better and better. They're a very, very solid team. And I really think they're going to be the next kind of up and coming team. They're going to be good for a while. And so it's kind of interesting to see with the cards because this team is, I don't think they're going away. I don't think this is an overreaction to how well they've been playing. They're playing well for a reason. And I don't think it's going to stop in the coming seasons. And so it'll be interesting to see because draw cards are already so expensive. I wonder I wonder if now's the time to get them, honestly, because well, they, they might get even even more expensive as he continues. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I would probably agree with that to some degree. I mean, well, first of all, I definitely agree with everything you say about Memphis and Jaw. I, I really, you know, we've talked about him several times on previous shows. I like him a lot. I think he is... Um, got the potential to be kind of one of the mm-hmm. next Kobe Jordan type and they, they really Memphis really really hit on their draft picks and that's I think I kind of meant to emphasize that a little bit more is that they drafted very well and they've got all these young guys and this is kind of that's kind of more why they're comparative to kind of what Golden State did but you know um, the one thing about John is cards um, to bring it to that a little bit is that he is of that 2019 uh, class and so the pop counts are just sky. In fact, you remember we've talked about this in the past, where Zion Williamson, John Morant, Luka Doncic, you know, these guys, the, the number of cards they've had graded have already surpassed guys like Michael Jordan. You know, Jaw's only been in the league for, what, two, three years? And he's already got over 250,000 cards graded, and that's just with PSA. That doesn't count whatever's gone to CSG, SGC, BGS, you name it. So over 250,000, I think I think that already surpasses what Jordan's had graded in total. So the pop, while he has some cards, you know, the more rare cards, the serial numbered stuff and the parallels that have lower pop counts are definitely more spendy. You know, you can pick up some of his rookie stuff for decent prices. They've come down in price over the last several months, not in, because of anything to do with job, but just to do with the fact that the pop counts on this stuff so high. So, and I would say one of my favorite cards, it's probably not, this is not necessarily going to be a favorite of a lot of folks in the hobby per se. It's not a hugely popular card, but for me, I really like the card you pulled in your optic the box my house. over yeah the my yeah. house and you got That's the hollow cool. mm-hmm. card i just like that my house insert i think it's cool it's like this is my house that's kind of a you know and so i i like that insert i think it's a cool looking card and you got the hollow which is a um it's a parallel of that and so that makes it a lower you know print production card and that card is an example. You can pick that up if it grades. If yours grades a PSA 10, which I think it probably could, it's probably a $150, $200 card. I could see that being a good long-term investment. I could mm-hmm. see that being a four or $500 card or more, you know, five, 10 years down the road, assuming that he continues to have the kind of career that he started here. And so that's the way I would recommend his cards to people is just to say, look, find the card that you like, like find an insert or a parallel like that that you really like. There might be one out, you know, maybe you like the T minus, maybe you like the, you want the Kaboom. Now you're going to pay up for the Kaboom, but, or maybe you want, you know, whatever it is, 
you know, go find, maybe you want that silver prism, which is going to be one of the more expensive ones. Maybe you want, you know, of course, or you want to go really expensive, go National Treasures or Flawless, go RPA, something like that. But um, so I would say just find the card you like and, and want and, and go get that card and do that according to your budget. Because like I said, you can find some of his stuff because of the pop counts for not terribly expensive prices. Mm-hmm. Definitely. They, they come in. They are coming. Memphis is coming. Absolutely. So, I mean, hey, if I was, if I didn't have this, I mean, I would definitely want to get my hands on a jaw now for sure. Yeah. Um, definitely. But um, I've always liked jaw. I think they're really, they're really taking the step this season. And I think you're going to, you're going to see them being contenders for the next couple of seasons, at least uh, nice. for sure. Yeah. I, I really, I really do think that I, I think they've got, they've got a really, really solid foundation and they're, they're top five team in basketball right now. Yeah. I could see that for sure. All right. Uh, do you want to talk? What do you want to do? You want to talk about the trade, or do you want to go to the All Stars? Well, I'll go ahead and just say, uh, just a quick thing. Cam Reddish is going to the Knicks. Cam Reddish is a pretty solid player. Uh, yep. Anybody really cares about that? It's gonna be going to the Knicks now. Yeah. Might be. You know, I'm not really gonna analyze that at all. I'm just no. gonna put that out Still there and say that's, on that's what's going on. Still nothing know? on Simmons. Continuing um, to be a lot of rumors, but nothing there yet. Yeah, and then I guess we can kind of talk about All-Stars for a second, because the second votes came back. They're mostly the same as the first. I mean, Western Conference front court, the leaders, you know, LeBron, uh, Nikola Jokic, Andrew Wiggins is actually third, which I thought was interesting. Now, Wiggins is, you know, actually having a very, very great season. He's the second leading scorer for Golden State, if I'm not mistaken, and you know, he he's he definitely deserves to be up there. I'm just kind of surprised that he's so high in the fan vote. Wiggins? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, you look at other guys in the front court for Western Conference. I mean, you have Paul George. You have Draymond Green. Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, I'm surprised he's not far, farther out there. But, yeah, Andrew Wiggins is third, which is pretty pretty cool for him. Uh, Western Conference guards, you know, Steph's really at the what top. Nikola. I just had to say that. Right. Nikola. Well, he's second. Everyone calls him the Joker. I like to call him Nikola. I don't know if anyone's going to get that. But, I mean, I get that. Know, there used to be a commercial for Ricola. Ricola. Yeah. That's what, I don't know why, but anyway, I just had to get that mm. in there. Right, um, sorry, the only ahead. thing that really changed in the Western <laughs> Conference guards was Jaw overtook Luca for the second spot. So, you know, Steph's first, Jaw, then Luca. Uh, Clay is second. Clay or, or fourth. Sorry, ex- sorry. Excuse me. The fourth, which you know, this is the fan vote, of course. Yeah. Devin Booker, Westbrook, Chris Paul, Donovan Mitchell. Um, kind know, of cetera, surprised cetera. Damian Lillard's not a little higher. And then, well, it's just because he's missed time. Or then, what about Anthony Edwards, Ant Man? I don't know. Well, so the Eastern but. Conference front court: uh, KD, Giannis, Embiid, Tatum, Butler, still the top five. Jared Allen's right behind there, which is good for him. He definitely should be an All Star this season. And, and then, we should say when you say Tatum Butler, you're not. That's not one. Those are two players. Oh yeah, Jason Tatum, Tatum and, and Jimmy but- Butler. And, Butler, and then yeah. Eastern Conference guards: Demar Derozan, Trey Young is actually second. Zach Levine is third. James Harden, and then Lamelo. And yep, okay. those are your top five. So that's really honestly has not changed that much from the first one. If anybody even saw the first fan returns, but that's where it's at right now. Yeah. And again, this is really all. This really shows. Um, right now is well really the top two voted players from well the top one voted player from the Western Conference and the top voted player from the Eastern Conference will be the captains of the All-Star team they will then do a draft for the further reserves the starters will be a combination of both the fan vote so this um, and then there's also a media vote and a player vote and 
it is somehow so, averaged and the starters are picked that way. Okay. And then the reserves are just, I think, picked by the league. So that top player, though, that's likely going to be KD, Kevin it's gonna Durant. Be, it's pretty much going to be Kevin Durant and then and either then LeBron in or the Steph. West, it's either LeBron I'm or I'm not Steph, really yeah. sure who Unless, has more votes does, right does now. Does Jaw overtake any, either of them? No, because yeah. the last I checked, Steph had two or three million. Jaw had like 1.6. Oh, okay. So Steph's just way ahead of everybody. Yep. Um, LeBron's way ahead of everybody. So it's, it's going to be one of those guys. Bigger yeah, markets. Definitely. So, okay. I mean, yeah, those are those are the returns. So, anyone that should like, I was wondering. Not, the only couple of players that I thought were interesting that I did not see on the in the top ten. Not saying that, because again, it's well if they're on there, who else is not on there? But uh, someone like Sabonis, or what about Tyler Hero? Uh, I don't think I'm not sure if Tyler Hero Hero will be an All Star. I think, I mean, maybe he could, but I don't know if he necessarily will be. Sabonis will definitely be a reserve. Um, but if you look at, I mean, he's not extremely popular with the fans. He'll probably get higher votes with like the media and like the player vote. Probably more the player vote. If, what I'm, about if I had Bradley to guess, Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal will probably be a reserve, but he's. I mean, he hasn't had the season he had last season for sure. But he hasn't had to, which is good for him. So yeah, okay. I don't know. We'll see. But like, like I said, like if you're talking about those guys, they're not gonna be higher voted than any of the guys here right now. Like if you're gonna talk about Sabonis, like. He's not going to be voted higher than KD, Giannis, Embiid, or Tatum. Maybe higher than Butler, but like even then, as far as the fan vote goes, definitely not. People people like Butler. So, speaking of the Miami Heat, Tyler Hero, uh, your Miami Heat are now in second place. Yeah, and I actually think this is so Eastern Conference. interesting. And I will technically, I guess you could say they're tied for second with Brooklyn. Yeah, but. But um, well, I will say this is actually really, really kind of impressive and kind of funny because Miami's they just done beat this, Phoenix. They just beat Phoenix, and the 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 part about this that is very interesting, funny, and very telling about how effective the Miami Heat system is is that they've been winning all these games against great teams on the road. By the way, without Jimmy Butler. Without Bam Adebayo, who's gonna be out with he's like he had wrist surgery, hmm. um, like a little while ago. Jimmy's been out. He like rolled his ankle or something. I'm not really sure what the deal is with that. So we've got we've got Kyle Lowry in. We have Tyler Hero coming off the bench, and then Duncan Robinson as our other starter. But then besides those three guys, we just got a bunch of other guys that you probably never heard of running around, and they're just beating everybody. Nice. Like all of them are undrafted, basically. That's like Miami's way. They have like eight undrafted guys in their roster. Which, if we want to talk about, we talked about how Memphis structured their team. I actually think Miami is a very interesting kind of, almost case study in how to how to build a team because they have a very unorthodox way of, kind of building a team. But it's showed to be extremely successful in the past decade, and they had one of the fastest rebuilds I think we've seen in recent years after Dwayne Wade retired. Um, and quick rundown of that: really, all they do is they, Pat Riley kind of doesn't really like draft picks because it's really hard to hit on them. He prefers stars. So you often don't see Miami really having high draft picks. They trade them all away and they bring in stars like Jimmy Butler, like Kyle Lowry, and they find those diamonds in the rough. That's why we have the eight undrafted players on that team and they just develop them. Yeah. And so you see these guys like Max Struess coming off, Gabe Vincent who played in the Olympics for, I forget what country, um, Nigeria, I think, or something like that. I don't know. Might be wrong. Not entirely sure. Um, Kaziak Paula. No one knows who that is, um, but like it, it's really funny because you have all these guys that just no one's ever heard of, but they're all going to play the right way. 
they're, they're going to come in. They're not going to make mistakes. They're going to know their plays. They're going to do their job, and they're beating everybody, and it's hilarious, honestly. Well, they're deep and balanced because um, they got a ton of guys playing minutes and a ton of guys scoring points. Not like, you know, not high numbers, but like I said, to, you know, you look at they've got, uh, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, eight, nine, ten guys that average between six and 12 points. Again, that's not high, but that's just a lot. Oh, and then we have P.J. Tucker, who's actually back now, so that's a very big help for sure, too. Um, don't want to forget to mention he plays a big role, too. I didn't want to discount that at all, um, for sure. Yep. But, I mean, yeah, that's a... Uh, Is it surprising that Chicago's in first place in the East? Um, yes and no. I think, so a lot of people thought they would be very high up. Uh, Charles Barkley picked them to be very high up. A lot of people didn't. I was kind of unsure about where they'd end up. And again, it's really only the midway point in the season. But honestly, based on how they're playing, I'm not surprised. They've got, I think, well, I think the the interesting thing about Chicago is that Levine and DeRozan just kind of mesh so well. And it's almost like a match made in heaven. They just have really, really good chemistry. And I think you kind of have to wait to see until the season starts to see you know, if those guys are really going to actually mesh so well. Yeah. And so I don't think anybody could have really predicted one way or the other because that's really the big reason, I think. Um, and all those three guys, uh, DeRozan, Levine, and then uh, Vooch, Vucevic, um, they're big three, so to speak. Any of those guys can get 30 on any particular night. And the good thing about those three guys is they don't care who gets 30. And so usually they're all scoring big because of that. And so that's a... That's why they've been winning, really. Yeah, um, they're all very unselfish, and they all play very, very well together, which is which is similar to Miami, right? I guess so. Yeah, but yeah, the they'll be there at the end of the season for sure. We'll see how they perform in the playoffs, but got, it is it is surprising, but it is also not the, surprising. The two bigger teams, I guess, that people would expect Brooklyn and Milwaukee in third and fourth. But all right, all right. Well, that's probably you know it for basketball. Um, yeah, we're kind of running long here. I we feel are. Like we should probably. That's right. We'll edit some of this stuff down. But, yeah, yeah, okay, we can move on. Let's move on to – so that'll be it for film study. We will move on. We've got one more thing in Coach's Corner we want to cover, and then we'll we'll wrap up the show. So let's go on now to the Coach's Corner. Okay, for the Coach's Corner, I wanted to touch base on what defines a rookie card because this actually became a bit of a hot-button issue in the hobby over the last couple of weeks uh, because of what happened when Topps released their 2021 Bowman's Best Baseball product. That has had some implications uh, for what rookie cards are going to look like for the next several years, and it's kind of sparked a little bit of a debate, which has been one that seems to come up from time to time uh, about what exactly defines a rookie card. So, and there's differing views in the in the industry about this. Some people believe that it's the first card of their rookie year. The cards from their rookie year should be their rookie cards. Others might believe it's their first card, say in a pro uniform, uh, that's not like a draft pick card or something like that. Um, There's just a lot of different opinions on what constitutes a rookie card. But Beckett, remember we've, and on our website, we've got this under card research. We've talked about Cardboard Connection being a place you can go to find out checklists and what's in the sets. But Beckett has been an authority on this for a long time as well. And they have, they've established definitions of what they consider to be a rookie card. And so 
Here is how they've defined that. First of all, it has to be a base card in the set, and it also has to be a set that includes veterans. So in other words, it's not just a set of nothing but rookie cards. And then it also has to be a set that has wide distribution. Now that one might be a little bit vague, but really what it's geared towards, this came up in years past with like the tops traded product, which maybe didn't have as wide of distribution, but it's also come up with products like Tops Now or Panini Instant, where they're producing cards um, for some of these players, like when they get called up, they might produce a Tops Now card, but it's, and yes, it's technically in the Tops Now set, uh, but it's not necessarily got wide distribution. So, why is this an issue now? Well, the reason this is an issue now is because typically, historically, the rookies' cards for a lot of these players that got called up uh, this year would be in the 2022 card releases. So in 2022, so in a few couple, few weeks, probably another month or so here, Tops is going to release their flagship baseball product. And in there, you would get kind of all the hot prospect rookie cards like Wonder Franco and you know Spencer Torkelson and a lot of those those kinds of players. Well, what Tops did this year was a little unique cuz in the 2021 Bowman's Best product, they actually um, included several prospects like Wonder Franco and Spencer Torkelson and all those guys. Um, but they the way they configured the set is that they mixed in veterans. So you had veterans in there. So guys like, you know, Tattis Jr. or Aaron Judge or whoever you had veterans. You also had rookies. Um, and they the rookies, like Wander Franco, were base cards. They weren't inserts or parallels or had any different numbering system because that's another aspect of this. And you'll see this sometimes. Like you'll, it'll, you know, like the, it'd be, okay, card number one, number two, number three, so on and so forth. But then maybe for the, the draft picks card it would be you know dp1 as an example or you know bc dp1 or whatever for bowman chrome draft pick one and bc dp2 or whatever it might be so there'd be a different numbering system well in this release there's not a different numbering system so they're in the base set it's got wide distribution um, it's a base card and it is a set that includes veterans and so as a result beckett has said they're going to give the rookie card designation to all the rookies prospects that are in that set. And so this has kind of, like I said, caused a bit of a stir. People have gotten upset. There's people that you know have strong feelings about this one way or another. For me, I don't necessarily care all that much. I mean, it does have an impact on certain things, but it's more about what you what's you know, what do you like? What's important to you? What do you want to collect? I think that's the more important thing here. But nonetheless, figured it's worthwhile talking about because it can have an impact, right? Because the rookie card of a player will typically end up being their more valuable card and their more sought-after card. Now, that's not always the case. And the glaring example of that is Mickey Mantle. We've talked about that before, right? The 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle is probably, well, not probably, it is his most valuable card. And yet his rookie card is actually his 1951 Bowman. Now that's still a valuable card, but doesn't carry the same kind of value and demand as the top, the 52 tops. So it, it doesn't, again, it's all about collector preference and what people want to go after. But that said, generally speaking, the rookie card will have more value. So, and Beckett, when they release their checklists on these sets, 
they will put the RC designation next to the player's name, des which indicates that that's that player's rookie card. So for the 2022 Tops product, for players like Wonder Franco or Spencer Torkelson or you know Julio Rodriguez or whoever, or actually, and I should even talk about some of the, the top picks like Marcelo Mayer and some of those, Jordan Lawler, some of those guys, they will not be considered, according to Beckett, the 2022 cards will not be considered rookie cards. Now, Tops will likely still put, you know, when you look at Tops card, they'll put the RC designation on the card, calling rookie card, or maybe they put the, the gold cup, the rookie cup on it, or they'll put the word rookie card on it or something. You know, they've got different sort of logos or images and ways in which they'll sort of stamp that as a rookie card. So they may still do that with those cards, but according to the Beckett checklists, those won't be considered rookie cards, and the rookie cards will be the ones that are in this 2021 Bowman's Best hobby box. Again, why does anyone care about all that? Well, again, just because it does kind of affect the demand. It does affect a little bit collector preference, especially those that are really like hardcore, like I want the official rookie card, you know. Um, but for a lot of people, they don't care. They just, like I said, they'll consider the rookie card to be the first year they played, and that will just go after those cards. And it also impacts how you see some of these cards listed. Some people might be calling something a rookie card when it's technically not or whatnot. So anyway, like I said, there's been a big hullabaloo like that word um that's not a word no all right well is um is scuttlebutt a word i don't think so okay well anyway it's uh yeah it's it there's been a lot of hullabaloo in the hobby over this i think again it's a little much ado about nothing because at the end of the day collect what you want beckett even says that when they because they put out an article about this and they even said look this is how we've done it for years this is how we define it so this is why we're doing it this way but collect what you want and ultimately at the end of the day collector and investor preference is what's going to drive demand and what's going to drive the pricing on this stuff and there is some precedent like for so as an example Derek Jeter Derek Jeter didn't make his major league debut until I think it was 1995 and maybe it was was he the rookie of the year in 96 is that possible I'm not sure anyway his rookie card is 1993. That's widely considered his rookie card. It's a Topps um, card, and or he's got several. There's not just Topps. There's others as well. But that's considered his rookie card. Another one I can think of would be Justin Verlander. So his, I think Beckett calls 06 his rookie card, but actually 05 is uh, what a lot of people consider to be his rookie card. I may have that flipped around. It may be the opposite. Maybe Beckett considers it 05 and others 06. I can't remember. It's one way or the other. But the bottom line is he's got what people, some people would consider to be a rookie card in 2005 and other people would consider to be his rookie card in 2006. So again, it kind of depends on what your preference. Now you may be saying like, okay, well, isn't there some sort of authority on all this? Well, there is to some degree and it's baseball themselves and the Players Association. Uh, in 2006, they did put a clause in their contract with tops as i understand it that basically said players could only appear in a base set after they've made their big league team and that's the way it's been for 15 years or so but again and so i don't know if this was kind of a mistake by tops or if this was intentional but it was definitely different in how they release this bowman's um, best set and so, like I said, it's going to create 
it, or it has already created some controversy because they're going to be, you know, these cards will be getting the rookie card um, classification when the 2022 ones don't. So another point that's interesting here is that not one member of the Baseball Hall of Fame, according to Beckett, again, I haven't validated this, this is what they're saying, but I believe it to be true, not one member of the Baseball Hall of Fame has the rookie logo on their rookie cards. Now that's about to change as you know some more modern-day players get into the Hall of Fame, but that just points out the fact that, you know again, this has been a more current issue than it has been a historic issue. And since 2006, you've got other cards like Bowman's first, a player's Bowman's first card, and that's typically the one, the first one in their Major League Baseball uniform. That carries a huge amount of weight in the hobby and, and will get a tremendous amount of value, but it won't necessarily be looked at as being a rookie card for a lot of those players. Anyway, I think, you know, that's probably covered everything I wanted to cover there, but I do think in terms of understanding what this means and the impact this will have is just know that a lot of the major prospects over the next, you know, few years are likely to have their only official rookie cards in the 2021 Bowman's Best set and what some people might believe to be their rookie cards and probably will have a rookie card designation by the manufacturers um, will be in other sets, but they won't be considered the official rookie card. And by the way, I have to say too, this idea that a rookie card has to be, you know, it's the base card, it can't be a parallel and all these other things. I mean, the reality of it is when you look at some of these parallels or the serial numbered or whatever, they will still have the rookie card designation. And they're still from a player's rookie, you know, the same year that their rookie card was released in a lot of situations. And so for the most part, I think a lot of collectors, a lot of investors, people in the hobby will still consider those cards rookie cards and they treat them and value them as such. But like I said, there are some in the industry that are very hardcore, very traditional, and they want that sort of very exact definition and that's all that they will consider to be a rookie card and so you know maybe depending who you're dealing with that could become an issue on certain cards but anyway like I said that became a hot topic of conversation in the industry over the last couple of weeks we've not addressed that here before about what does define a rookie card so I thought it'd be interesting to kind of bring that up and and have that discussion but all right, I'll leave it there. I've probably just done nothing but confuse people even more with all of that. But hopefully some of that made some sense. Did that make sense to you? It made sense to me. Okay, good. All right, I'm done. I think that's it. I think that's it. That's the show. That's the show. All right. Guest let me interview get to next my... week, maybe. What's that? Guest interview next week, maybe. Yeah, we are hoping to have a guest interview next week. More to come on that as we're trying to get that confirmed. Thank you to all of our followers and listeners. We do truly appreciate your support. Brandon, go ahead and take us out. All right. We hope you enjoyed it. As we always say, we are open to suggestions, so please feel free to let us know what you like, don't like, things you'd like to hear more about, all that stuff. This is your show. We love to hear from you and get your feedback so that we can improve and make the show better and more enjoyable, informative, and valuable for you. Also, remember to check us out on social media, like and follow our pages and channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and check out our website, www.the615collector.com, and subscribe to our email list. All right, that's a wrap. Enjoyed it. Hope everyone else did as well. We will see you all next Friday, same time, same place, here on the 615 Collector.